0: And and these 10 verses uh, really are uh, a listing of duties and qualifications for the office of high priest. That's what this is. This is this is a list of uh, uh, or or description of the duties and the qualifications of, of a high priest. And we find an explanation basically of how and why God chose these men. That's what this is, how and why God chose these, these men. And that explanation is here for one purpose, and that purpose is to show us that Jesus is better, of course. That, that, that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of, of this office and of all of these qualifications. And that really is our, our lesson this morning, simply put, is, is that Jesus is a better qualified high priest. Jesus is a, a better qualified uh, high priest. Priest. I just want you to think about this with me. Now, these Christians are facing great persecution, right? And when we say persecution, like n- nobody's just calling them names. That's not what's going on. They're literally being thrown in prison. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're having children taken away. They're being put to death. They are facing Uh, real, complete persecution. And with that persecution, in addition to that, they've got pressure, right? And just think about life with me. Um, When life is is coming up against you, right? When you're struggling, when it it is is one problem after another, when it's one hurdle after another, when when life is beating up against you, what do you begin to think? What do you begin to say even to yourself, right? Jeez, what have I done what? Wrong. What have I done wrong? The other question we ask is, is why, right? Why are all these things? Ha- I just want you've got to put yourself. These guys aren't some kind of super different Christian than you are. They're just like you. And life is beating up against them. Here they are. They've rejected Judaism. They've accepted Christ. They're saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. I, I mean, and most people believe this was a small, little um, fledgling church. And here they are, they're they're hanging on by a thread and life just keeps beating against them and beating against them and beating against them. And no doubt they're beginning to question, right? But then you've got to remember all of their friends and family are probably still Jewish, right? And so you can just imagine the great friends they have, kind of like the great friends of Job, right? That come to them and what did Job's friends say? Uh, You're doing something wrong, bucko. And and, and so you can imagine their friends are coming to him and and their family members coming to him and they're saying, listen, don't you see it? You have to be doing something wrong. And here comes the question because of their Jewish background. Who's your high priest? I think you need to go see him and have him make a sacrifice on your behalf because clearly you're doing something wrong. And, And to kind of just disband that whole terrible thought The author of Hebrews writes this audience and and, and he begins to to, to lay out this case and and remind them, listen, Jesus is your high priest. You're not doing anything wrong. In fact, he's better. He's he's more qualified than the high priest of of these people that are coming to you with that that silly argument. He is more qualified. He is the ultimate high priest. And so um, we get two reasons here. Um, Two reminders here uh, of why Christ is more qualified as a high priest. And and here's the first I'll I'll share with you this morning. Um, Number one, Jesus is more qualified because he's a better man with a higher appointment. Jesus is, is a better man with a higher appointment. You look at that first qualification there of a high priest. It's in verse 1. It says this. It says, uh, every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent the people and matters related to God and to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. So, so that first little phrase, every high priest is selected from among men. You can't overlook that. They had to be selected among men. Why? Well, here's the deal. On your notes, just follow along with me. Uh, A a priest has to partake in the nature of the people that he represents, right? A priest has to partake in the nature of of the people he he, he represents. Another way to say that is that a priest has to be able to understand and identify completely with the people that he represents. He's got to be one of them. This is why the angels aren't the high priests, right? God, God couldn't appoint the angels to be high priests. Why? Because they don't share the same nature as we do. The angels have no understanding or grasp of, of what this thing called life is like for us. They, they can't fathom what we go through here on earth. They don't understand um, what, what, what it is to, to face the, the, the trials and the struggles of this thing called life that we do. And And, and so the high priest has to be selected from among men... So that he can partake in the same nature of the people that he represents. Now, don't miss it. Jesus is a man. We understand that Jesus is God. We get the deity aspect usually pretty well. We really struggle with the concept that while he was here, he was fully man. He was, he was fully man, and, and not just man, but, but he was better man. That's the argument of the Gospels. You can go to Luke and find out that Jesus is a better Adam. You can read through Matthew that he's better delivered, better than Moses. You read through Hebrews, it's going to be here over and over and over again. Uh, Jesus is not just a man, but he's, he's a, a better man. He, he fully went through all the things that we go through. He fully felt what we feel so that he could be our sympathetic, gracious Merciful representative. So he's more qualified because he's selected among men, but he's more qualified because he's the best man, right? But he's, he's not just a better man. He's not just a man that's without sin and without defilement. He certainly is that. But he's a better man with a higher appointment. That's the second half of that point. Jesus is a better man with a higher appointment. Look at verse 4 with me. It says no one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. He must be called by, by God, right? So he had to be a man, but he also had to be God's man, according to the text. So he had to be called by, by God. And, and, and we should, we need to think of, of this calling of, uh, we call it today, we, we'd label it vocational ministry as a calling. Um, now, we struggle in our world today because everything we think of is a career. And unfortunately, there are many people that are going into the ministry and they get out of school and they're like, what are you going to do? I'm going to go be a pastor. And they go view it as a career, right? So you go, well, you, you got to put in your time as a youth pastor, right? So you put in your time. Then you, should, you probably go up in the panhandle. That's what people told me. Everybody's got to go to the panhandle. Woo, don't go to the panhandle. Anyway, uh, so but but you got to put in your time here. And then and so here's the thought. And, and guys, I, I lie to you not because I'm surrounded by, by these kind of people. I've worked under these kind of men. You go to a church church and you grow that church until it gets difficult because you don't want to do the real difficult stuff. But you grow that church. You Say you come to a church running 120. You grow that church to 250. You put that on your resume. Now you go to a church that's running 250. So that you can grow that church to 500. But once you're out of capacity. Don't do the difficult stuff. Just put that church on your resume. Now go to another church that's running 500. That has capacity for a thousand. And, and 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 guys I'm telling you. I've, I've got people I know in ministry. And this is how they view ministry. And they view it as a career um, And you know what? Unfortunately, the people often view it as a career, too. You'd be amazed how many people sit in the pews and they think that ministry is just a career and that they'll even say things. Well, someday he's going to move along or or they just think in their mind, well, that that person, you know, that that's just an employee. The Bible says that um, that that in particular, that the high priestess we're talking about today, that this is a calling. So I want to show you what that calling looks like in in Ephesians chapter four. Uh, If you want to turn there with me, um, book of Ephesians chapter four. Uh, and we're going to start in verse 11. I'm going to read through 13. And, and, and again, um, I, I just want you to understand this this calling thing that we're talking about this morning. That This high priest has to be a man, but he also has to be called by God. And Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, It was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach uh, all unity uh, in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It says, uh, it was he who gave, is is the word there. That word um, gave, in, in the Greek it does mean give, but it also means to appoint, to an office... Or to call to a position. It is he, God, who, who appointed some to an office or called to, to a position. And then it begins to list the, the kind of people that God calls. And there's a whole bunch. It's apostles and, and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And so he appoints them. And what is their position? Here's their position. Ready? It's the same position, all of them, even though they have different gifts. Ready? They are appointed to be under shepherds under shepherds that's 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 the time you work in a church with multiple pastors they call whoever the 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 pastor is they call that guy the the senior pastor right Uh, that really just means the highest under shepherd of that body but all are under shepherds and, and 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 this is the point look at verse 15 it says instead speaking the truth in love we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And the point is that Christ is the head, that he holds the superior office, the higher office, because he's been appointed to a higher office. Now that's the argument here by our author in Hebrews chapter 5. Jesus is a better qualified high priest because he's a better man with a higher appointment. A better man with a higher appointment, every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God. It's verse one, okay? Number two, number two. Jesus is a more or better qualified high priest because Jesus is a more sympathetic high priest that deals with us gently. Gently. Now, you guys caught on, right? There's really four points in this sermon, but I just I just connected both of them. So each of them has two things, right? Y'all saw that sympathetic uh, priest that deals uh, gently with us. This is verse two it says he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. Phrase deals gently also be translated has compassion or to have compassion. That's a, that's a key word if you ever read the Gospels, right? Jesus over and over and over again. It says that he has compassion on on the crowds, that, that he has compassion on the sick and the hurting, that he, he saw them as what? As sheep. Without a, a shepherd, you know, another way to say that that's not quite as nice is to say that they were ignorant and misguided. That's what it says in verse two. He's able to deal gently with the ignorant and the misguided, the ignorant, those that are going astray. That's what sheep are. It says Jesus Can have compassion on them. So Jesus had compassion. He always dealt gently. Now that phrase uh, deals gently literally in the Greek. It means to not be unduly disturbed by faults or errors of others. Think about that with me. He's able to deal gently. He is not unduly disturbed by the faults and the errors of others. It means that when Jesus is around ugliness. He doesn't go crazy. It doesn't drive him to the point that he just wants to start smacking people, but rather that he can look past the ugliness and see the real problem, right? This is that person that is patient with the sinner, yet doesn't condone the sin. This is somebody that understands and sympathizes with a person's problems, but they never lose perspective of what's right and wrong another way to, to to look at this term in the greek uh, is is to think about moderation' to so think about um moderation it, it, it's, it, it's beautiful and so uh, this is who jesus is for us right he, he's not unduly disturbed by faults and errors he he he's, he's moderate on our behalf um and 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 Think think through this. So he's seated on the throne of grace. We looked at that last week. Jesus is seated on the throne of grace and we are told to run to that throne and receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Because why? Because Jesus knows that we need it. Right. And how does Jesus know that we need grace? Because he sympathizes with us. And how does Jesus sympathize with us? Because he was one of us. Because he himself was a man, verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He prayed this way on many occasions with loud cries and tears to God the Father because of the anguish that he felt in becoming sin for us. And so Jesus felt it in verse 8. Here it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. If you ever wanted to know what the eternal, perfect son and savior has done for you, I think it might be wrapped up in verse eight. Ready? He stepped out of eternity, stepped out of glory, stepped out of heaven. He became man and he suffered. That's the word you should highlight. That's the word you should circle that that God himself, Jesus, suffered for you. He 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 came and and he hurt. I I read this little phrase this week and I loved it. Uh, Jesus was given no exemption from pain or loss. Jesus didn't get a get out of pain free card when he came to earth just because he was God. He didn't get to come and walk in the flesh and yet not experience hurt and trials and temptation and pain. Rather, he had to go through all of it. And the Bible says that in doing so, this act of obedience, this act of a life dedicated, you remember, to the will of the father Jesus. That's where I've come to please the father In, 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 in this life. Jesus suffered greatly and learn just what obedience to God, get this, involved in the flesh and practice of humanity. In this life of obedience, I'm going to say it again, Jesus suffered greatly and he learned what obedience is in this life and practice of humanity. And the Bible says that through that, he was made perfect. Now, let's talk about that phrase. That's, that's, that freaks you out a little bit. You say, wait a second, Jesus is the sinless, perfect Savior. How can he be made perfect? What's that talking about? Well, it's, it's not talking about his morality. It's not talking about any of those things. It's saying through that suffering. It's only through that suffering. It is only through the hurt. It is only through the tri- trials and temptation. It's only through that that Jesus could be our perfect Savior. Why? Because it's only through that that he can understand us and be our perfect representative. To be our perfect priest. Why? Because the priest has to partake of the same nature as the people. You see it? You see it? Jesus had to know all of it in order to know all of what it felt like. He had to fully take that upon himself so he could be our perfect high priest and representative. Now. Now. Here's the good stuff. Ready? This is like we could just preach this and go home. So just, just, just get ready. This is what you need to think about. This is it. It is this Jesus who still feels the stings and the pains of, of existence here in this world. It is this Jesus who still feels the pains and the stings of existence here in this world that sits on the throne of grace and doles out grace and mercy to those that are still stuck in it it's this one it's not the Jesus that forgot it it's not a God that didn't know it It, it, it's God that came and suffered it and and because he still feels the stings and the pain of that suffering he sits on a throne called grace and he dulls it out on the people still stuck in it you know what I'm saying that's the good stuff right there That's the. This is our Savior. This is our High Priest. This is why we come boldly with confidence because He hurt and He suffered and He feels it and He identifies with you and He says, don't give up, you'll overcome. Here's my grace. Here's my mercy. You've got this. That's what it's all about. That's the glory of, of who our High Priest is. And you see, because of that, because of that, there is no other man there is no other person that could come close and fulfill that position. Jesus is better because he is more qualified. He's better qualified. He has sympathy for us and he deals graciously with us. Whew. So when we get there, whew, what do we do because of it? What, what, what do we do? And, and here's the first thing I want to tell you, because, um, you know, life is hard, right? Right. Anybody got something going on? You don't have to talk about it. You know, we're in church. God forbid we'd be honest with one another. Uh, Something's going on. You know that's going on. You're not sharing it with anybody. You're closed off because that's what Christians are. Closed off, right? So what what do I do is I'm, I'm facing this struggle and I'm facing this battle and I want everybody to think that I have it together. But the truth is I'm just about to give up. We to. Number one, it's in the Bible over and over and over and over again. Ready? Don't give up. I, I, I know this is this is real, like earth-shattering advice here, earth-shattering application. Number one, don't you give up? Hear me. I know that you're thinking about it. I, I know that the thought has run through your head. I know that there's something in you at some point you thought, you know what, this isn't just th- this isn't worth it. I'm going to go back to this other way of life. It was easier then. I didn't have to face all this stuff then. But you know what? You know what? The Bible says time and 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 time, and time. again, it says stand firm. It says, stand firm. That If you want to know the stance of a believer, it's not one that cowers in fear, and it's not one that just runs around like an idiot. It's somebody that stands firm in the face of trials and says, you know what, I, I'm not going to move off of this faith because the foundation is sure even if I'm not. And so I'm going to stand firm in the face of those trials. One of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, stand firm, therefore, my brothers... Let nothing move you. Give yourself fully to your work in the Lord because you know that your labor in Him is not in vain. We are all supposed to be working for the Lord. I don't care if you work at a hospital or a school or at home. The truth is that our labor is not for this world. Our labor is for the Lord. And so we stand firm in that labor. Friends, I'm here to tell you, no matter what trial is coming your way, the reason that you're, 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 you're battling it is to give glory to God. That's why you're battling it. You know, there's two things that can happen. You can face that trouble. You can face that trial and you can cower into it. You can give in. You can run around like a chicken with your head cut off like like everybody else in the world. You can you can go ahead and you can be that failure. You can try to take it on like like I I got this. You know what happens to people that try to fight fights on their own? They may win a battle, but they lose the war. And so instead, as Christians, we stand and we say, you know what? I'm um, Not just this battle, but the whole life, everything that I do is done for the glory of God. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether I eat or drink and all things that I do, I'm going to do them for the glory of God. And I'm going to stand firm in this, too. And when it's all said and done, and, 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 and I'm still standing, the world will look and see that there is a true God. Because they know there's no way that could happen through somebody like me. There's no way. So stand firm. Let nothing move you. Don't give up. Number one. Number two. You know, those made up friends we're talking about, I think they probably had some pretty good advice. They go to these Christians and say, you know what? You, you need to go to your high priest. You know, you're right. You do. But you don't need to go to your high priest so he can sacrifice or bull a goat. You need to run to your high priest because he knows. He knows. You need to run to your high priest because he knows and he's been there and he suffered. And, and because he suffered and because he feel, still feels the, the pains of that suffering, he sits on a throne called grace and mercy and he doles it out. And so you do need to go to your high priest, but you don't need to go to him for a sacrifice. You need to go to him to receive a blessing. That blessing is called grace. And, and so I, 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 don't, I don't know what the trouble is. If you want to talk to me about it, that's fine. I'll put you on my prayer list. I'd love to pray for you. But regardless of what it is, regardless of what fear it is, this is what I do know. I do know that there is a savior. There's a royal high priest that sits on his throne that has been there and has done that. And because he has been there and done that, he has a heart for you. So you need to come to him. You said, but pastor, how do I come? How, how How can I come? Don't I need to get some things right? No, you don't need to get an ounce right before you come. You just come. He'll make it right. There's a. I was listening to a sermon this week, too, and, and, and uh, I kept hearing this, this one little phrase repeated over and over and over. And it, it was this phrase, it, it, it's either enough is enough right now or enough will never be enough. Either enough is enough right now or enough will never be enough. Either enough is enough right now or enough or will never be enough. And just over and over and over. And then all of a sudden they took a parable I'd heard a million times and they flipped it on its head and it just crushed me. I said, you know what? You remember the parable of of the workers in the vineyard? Remember how the owner came out the first hour and he hired some men. Now, you've got to remember those men, they're day laborers. They're not skilled laborers. They're not the smartest people in the shed, you know. They're, 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 they're not the cream of the crop in the world. They just need some money for the day. So that they can get by for the day. They, they're, they're completely in need, these guys, for the day. And so this worker comes out. This is grace, right? This is grace, All the whole thing. It's all about grace. And he comes out and he says, yeah, you, I'm going to hire you, right? And comes a few hours later and he hires some more guys a few hours later. And, of course, you get to the end and he hires some guys at the last hour. And it, when it's all said and done, he pays them all the same amount. The guys that were hired first and worked the hardest, they're mad because the guys hired at the end. he says, what is that to you if I want to be gracious? What is that to you, right? I want to be merciful. Here, let me turn this on its head. Do you know that, that the owner uh, of that vineyard had the same message for every worker there? Every worker there was in need. Every worker there uh, needed sustenance for the day. Every worker there couldn't provide for himself. And the message of of, of the owner was the same to the guys he hired first and the guys that he hired last, the guys he hired first that didn't have the skills of life uh, to, to go and be really big and successful. He looks at them and he says, you know what? You're enough. I'll hire you he comes back a couple hours later and he looks at these guys that didn't get picked and they're kind of sitting around and they're probably pretty down on themselves. And he says, you know what? You're enough. You come with me. He comes back a little later and finally at the end of the day, the guys that never get picked, that always get picked last, the guys that are strugglers and they always feel like failures, that's how they've identified them. And Jesus looks at them, right? He looks at us. He says, you are enough. You come with me. You're enough. Friends, there's nothing that you have to fix to come to the throne of grace. There's not a thing that you have to correct in your life to come to this king of glory, to this king of grace. There's not a thing that you have to do other than come. And you can come with confidence. And you know why you can come with confidence? Because he has suffered and he knows how hard life is. And he literally is just waiting to heap that grace and that mercy upon you. Just come as you are. That's the invitation this morning. Would you pray with me?